Hello, and welcome to Super Saturday's Bub, a comic book media podcast re rank media by its story, impact, and visuals to figure out if these projects will stand the test of time. I'm Wolverine, Bub. I'm the best there is at what I do. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm Damon A. And, uh, and I am the one and only, but always confused, Jay Hayward. And we welcome you to our show where we talk about your favorite comic books, TV shows, and movies. And this week, Damon and I want to bring you on a joyride of hilarity and drama as we see this story take twists, turns, and dives you will not believe. Join us as we follow Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine, written by Jason Nairn and penciled by Adam Kubert, through a story of woe, awe, and dinosaurs again. We are talking about dinosaurs again for a third time. Let's take a few bedazzled time diamonds and transport into the tale. On with the show. As Jay said, we're covering Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine. This book came out in 2010. And actually, I noticed that it came out in May of 2010. This was not Plant Soup. So now is the 13th anniversary of this book. So my question for you, Jay, is do you know what was happening in the comic book world when this book came out? Oh, wow. First off, happy anniversary to such an amazing story and one that I'm really happy that we're going to get to talk about today, Damon. I have one fact this week because, uh, admittedly, I have spent way too much time in the new Tears of the Kingdom Legend of Zelda game. Like I was telling you before the show, I've been addicted to it. I actually have it in my lap here. I should throw that over there. So that way it's out of my field of view. I've loved it. But I do have a fact. I had to look and see where we were specifically in MCU history. Because I remember the 2010s being filled with a lot of MCU stuff. So I went to look and see what film was coming around in 2010, and I want to see how well your memory serves, Damon. Do you know okay. what movie was coming out? Iron Man 2. Yes, just Iron Man 2 released in wow. 2010. I thought it was at least two yeah. movies. Okay. Which was also the debut of Don Cheadle as War Machine. <laughs> He's I as War Machine. What? He's okay as War Machine. You know, I have some opinions on that, though. Don Cheadle's a good actor, but I feel like he was kind of miscast for uh, War Machine. I honestly feel like the chemistry between him and Tony just wasn't there compared to the chemistry that was between Terrence Howard and um, Robert Downey Jr. I don't know. I don't know if it's the writing or if it's Don Cheadle in the role. On top of that, I felt like Don Cheadle looked a little old compared to Robert Downey Jr. That's true. He, he did also look significantly older than just last time we saw him. I get it, it is completely different actors, but it does feel like there was like a weird age difference still between that. I, I don't get it. Um, I thought he was fine, though, but I do, I do kind of get that feeling, though. Anyway, that's my one fact. What about you, Damon? What do you know that came out in 2010? Well, Jay, I am pretty sure well actually at the same time that this book was coming out um jason aaron was starting his wolverine run which has been critically acclaimed 
and uh, this book actually was collected in his Wolverine run. So if you were to get the Wolverine run, this is actually was added in there. No kidding. That's really cool. Yeah. So tell me about that run. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to look a whole lot into Jason Aaron this week. I will say, though. Honestly, Jason Aaron has his whole, like, track record. He is decorated. This man is decorated. He's done Wolverine Weapon X. He's done Punisher Max. He's done uh, Wolverine and the X-Men. Uh, he's done Thor, God of Thunder. He was one of the writers on Original Sin. He's worked on Thor. He's worked on Doctor Strange and the Avengers. He's even worked on Conan the Barbarian. Uh, Holy cow. Yeah, yeah, what a stacked name. I also see here that he has worked on Star Wars and... Did you say uh, Ghost Rider? No, I did not. I just only listed off a couple of his stuff. Yeah, Ghost Rider's another one here. Uh, just a couple ones that I'm noticing because uh, I just I just looked them up here on Google as you were listing off here. A lot of Thor. A tremendous a lot amount of Thor. <laughs> yep. Uh, he's actually the one who introduced Lady Thor, the Jane Foster stuff. That was all him. Have you gotten a chance to read that? Um, No, I haven't, if I'm being quite honest with you, but... Heard a lot of good things, and I'm pretty sure it was nominated for an Eisner Award. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Okay. Maybe that's something that we should check out on the show. Or Possibly. maybe we should just spend an hour and talk about how shitty she was portrayed in Love and Thunder. Maybe. Wait, we have so many options. Yeah, that movie was ass. I'm sorry. It really was. It, it, really, <laughs> it really was. I'm sorry. I will say, though, just side note, in recap to last week, I did watch an episode of Just League Unlimited, and it was awesome. Was it the first season, or would, like was it Justice League or Justice, Justice League, League Unlimited? Unlimited? It was the one. Uh, Green Arrow was there. Green Lantern was there. Also, oh, the first episode. But like Jay, you got to watch the original. Justice okay, League fine. Series, That's my thing for next week. Next week, I'll watch an episode of that one. Okay. I, I just wanted to get that out of the way. But my question for you, Jay, is since one of the headliners of this story is Wolverine, and I think this is the first time we ever really talked about Wolverine on the show. My question for you is, what was your first introduction to Wolverine? First, I have to say, I, I feel like Wolverine was a little overdue because we have talked about him just showing up in stories but never being the main character. Uh, so here he is, finally taking center stage with Spider-Man, of course, because we got to have Spider-Man in here, Suits. You know we love him. My first introduction to Wolverine, I, I think honestly might have been when i had watched the first x-men film back in middle school middle school or was it high school was it after i met you when i watched that i don't know I, I never knew it took you that long to watch the x-men movies i didn't know that well i i know it definitely wasn't when i was a kid because you have to remember i was not into superhero stuff okay true and x-men i remember seeing that cover very often and as a kid i thought man that's a really bland cover and to this day i still think that the cover to that movie that cover told bland. me that we're scared of having comic book characters but like the people that get it are gonna get it the people that don't get it aren't gonna get it right so eventually i watched it probably again on on demand as soups know a lot of my uh, movie knowledge comes from a lot of on-demand back in the day. So I had watched it there. And then I started watching the other ones and I kind of fell off after the second. So I didn't really get far. But then you and I went and saw Logan. 
And that was really the first time I, I was really wanting to learn about this character and really how he just stands outside of this larger cast. Because mm -hmm. Wolverine is usually ending up becoming the main character in a lot of these X-Men stories. So in the end of the day, it kind of feels like it's his arc, which kind of sucks because it also shows that they didn't really do a great job portraying the rest of the X-Men when you really think about it. Mm -hmm. At least in the end of the day. But Wolverine they had down, and Hugh Jackman just did a phenomenal job bringing uh, Old Man Logan to the screen in the way that worked best with the character that he had to build off of, but also bring something newer to the character to allow it to be something that comic fans who have always wanted to see this character closer to what he was in the comics finally get that chance. Um, mm -hmm. So I got to say, and just overall as a film, Logan is fantastic. And uh, I don't hear enough people talk about that movie now, but I it's a wonderful about it sometimes. movie. Like, it, it, I love I, it. I'm not saying that in like a, it's a forgettable type of way. It's more like that movie, there is some rewatch value. Like it is rewatchable, but it's like, oh, yeah. it's a movie that you have to be prepared to rewatch. Um, and speaking about it, I kind of want to rewatch it because that was a that was an experience. I remember we went to go see it, and uh, I was tearing up at that ending. And I remember you think I'm pretty sure people in our theater were, were crying when that came out and everything. Uh, spoiler alert: oh, yeah. he dies, and uh, in a very like touching, sad way. I got to admit, um, but I don't know. I you know I have a bittersweet and love hate relationship with those X Men movies because on one hand, X Men one two. Days of Future Past and First Class, and then the two from the Wolverine trilogy, like the movies were like hit or miss, and you gotta argue whether or not they're good X Men movies or they're just a good like handful of characters that they did they done really well. Um, but I gotta admit it was childhood, and that was my first experience with Wolverine as well, Jay. Um, I would say even the '90s show, and just even the cartoons too. I like freaking loved Wolverine. I will admit, I was one of the people who assumed he was the main main character until I got more into comics as I got a little bit older and everything like that. And then I learned like Wolverine is like he's a cool character. He may even be a very interesting character, but the X Men isn't just Wolverine and his bitches. So no, not it, at all. It's far from it. It really is. It, it if anything, I guess he, I think he really is an interesting and character from what I know of him in comic history and especially from the book that we have read for today, which again is Astonishing Spider Man and Wolverine, uh, which is a phenomenal book altogether. But. Okay, so Astonishing X Men is. Oh, not Astonishing X Men. That's a completely different title. All right. That's, an, that's a completely different. <laughs> Come on. Book. Come on, Damon. Come on. It's Astonishing Spider-Man. Damn, Daenerys. Really Getting the name of the book wrong, Damon. Thanks, Daenerys. Thanks for pressing all the buttons and shit. Our sound engineer, everybody. Miss Kitty. Let's Ooh. give it up for Daenerys, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine is a 2010 till 2011 six issue comic book miniseries published by marvel comics starring spider-man and wolverine the series is written by jason aaron and drawn by adam kubert okay so 
one of those names should be familiar, Jay, and that is Adam Kubert, because yes. he's the artist that did Ultimate X-Men. Soups, if you haven't already, listen to our Ultimate X-Men episode. It was a pretty fun time. But, uh, you know, honestly, Jay, I couldn't wait to get to this fucking part because there's a lot of different things I wanted to touch on. Go for it. I know that this... You introduced me to this book. I know that you love this book. Tell me about it. All right, two things. Number one, Adam Kubert was paying homage to his brother during those scenes where you saw bits of Wolverine's origin story because in the book called Wolverine Origins, his brother Andy Kubert did the art. I, I have to say the art style, both in that specific sequence that you're talking about, uh, as well just overall in the book, I thought was beautiful. I, I just have to say outright. Um, and I do want to say that the art specifically for that, the watercolor does remind me a lot of the covers, I believe also for ultimate X-Men as well. Correct. Yeah. He did the covers of those. I don't know. I love Adam Kubert's art and everything, especially his brothers, actually the whole family. I'm pretty sure they even own an art college in New York. No kidding. Yep. So this is, this is, their bread and butter yep, this is what they and love to do mm-hmm. and i'm pretty sure their father did um art on superman if i'm not really mistaken. do you know what story by any chance i think it was a couple of ongoing issues okay mm-hmm. that's awesome so tell me about this book then damon what was your first impression with this book the very first time when you found this because again you introduced this to- do you remember what it was like the first time that you had heard about this story? Uh, yeah, honestly, the first time I heard about it was uh, I watch Comic Pop, and they actually did a whole like episode talking about it. And I was really interested after it came out, and so I went ahead and got the book, and then I read it for myself. This book is fucking wild as fuck. It is so wacky. There's just so many random-ass things that happen throughout this book, and then the comedy is just gold, especially because there's, like, little details within the comedy. For example, Wolverine dies in the book. Spoiler alert, everybody. Wolverine dies in the book for, like, a split second, and Spider-Man collects his, like, mangled bones and organs and blood and puts it just in a bucket. What? You know what's funny, though, is I don't even think that's... The craziest thing that happens in this story. Oh no, it is. I didn't not. write. I didn't write his name down, but I want to get this guy out of the way too. Well, oh, you know or- what? I want to get what? this out of the way. I, 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 yeah. I, you know what? I, I, I'm gonna ask you a question real quick. I just got one more thing I want to add though. Hmm. I, I feel like I laughed the hardest when Spider-Man and Wolverine popped out in bedazzled costumes. Especially <laughs> Spider-Man, because just the fucking extra, like, bedazzles just around his eyes. That shit, I don't know why. There's something about that was just fucking hilarious. But, you know, I actually was going to ask you this. What were your thoughts on the orb and his orblings? I love the orb. I love the orb I've only seen in this comic. And he seems like the most ridiculous character. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of different weird characters in the Marvel Universe. But Orb makes no sense to me. He's just like a bank robber with a big old eye. His head is just one old eye. It's an orb. That is not an orb. No, no, no. no. That's what that is. Mysterio has an orb. That's a fishbowl. Like dome thing. Oh my goodness! Whatever. He looks ridiculous. This guy looks ridiculous. He is has this. I don't know if this is actually him or if this is the thing that he's wearing, but it is the orb eye. 
There's just a giant blue eye. He has blue and red like spandex on. It's like a daredevil, fucking... like like a, a fucking not daredevil, daredevil, but like you know how like evil can evil type of shit. That's the type of outfit yes. he had on. Yes, that's exactly yeah. what it is. And then, are you saying that like he's outlandish before or after the muscles? Oh my goodness, he looks fucking. Hilarious. I was gonna bring it up later, but yeah. There's not a whole lot that the orb really does in this story, except introduce two things. The first, he introduces the bedazzle diamonds that we've talked about a little bit here. The bedazzle diamonds are used, and we don't learn a whole lot really about them in this story, and I don't know what do in any other story, but they are these diamonds that you can put on, I guess, any surface, and you can use them for time travel. Like, you can just, I guess, think of where you want to go, and you either have to hit something to make a portal, or just think about where to go. And they're sentient it, too? Yeah, they don't really explain it. But they the- don't talk. <laughs> Honestly, do they even need to? Because the only thing that I could buy is once they found out that they literally grew on trees, I was like, oh, okay, so they're like, that's why they're sticky. That's why they can stick to anything. But my thing is, though... I don't know. Like, <laughs> he So he establishes that, right? Weird. And yeah, when you bring up trees, I don't know why. It just sounds like something from Rick and Morty plot. It really does. It? Like, it just sounds so ridiculous, especially for Spider-Man and X-Men. So anyway, the orb also introduces the TVA to sure the story. Yeah. Uh, the Time Authority, which are called the Minutemen mainly in the story and he comes back and now this dude now imagine he's kind of muscular still in his evil Knievel costume with his little like shiny white gloves and stuff you know stars on him and shit he looks fly but he comes back looking like damn terminator type of shit he looks like rambo yeah yep exactly <laughs> he's so like in the bandana ripped. he too. looks like a gi joe or like a small soldier and he's like, the Minutemen, they're coming, they're coming. And, and didn't he, have he comes a gun back too? around the end. Yeah, he had, like he had a some weird gun. eyeball gun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, like, I want to know, I want an offshoot to know what the orb was doing. I want to know what got him around the, the, the time variant authority. I mean, it, it, Which, you, you kind of learn what he was doing because, like, First of all, the TVA did a shit-ass job because you're meaning to tell me so at the end of like the miniseries, also, Soups, this is going to be another episode where we're just going to discuss the story instead of doing our play-by-play. So, spoiler yeah, alert. Yeah, and also, probably get used to this because this is... this is, We like doing it like this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, moving like, this forward, is, we're going to probably how, start doing this. We're this probably going to be doing it like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, the TVA did a shit-ass job. So, like, at the end of the story, they're, I bet you they're just patting themselves in the back. Okay, guys, another crisis averted. We put everything back to normal. But did you really? Because the small folks still have their brewery company, company that's, like, still there. Uh, Spider-Man and Wolverine remember everything. Spider-Man statues from time are, like, at museums now. And then um, Big Murder and Czar are in a time loop. And so is like the the orb. He's in a time loop. So it's like, was there anything that was fixed or or, or was that their way of like punishing them? I don't know. I I feel bad for those at home who have not read this book. Uh, I really do recommend 
to give this one a read because things get ridiculous. I I guess I'll give an idea of the of a play by play here, right? We start we start off in like prehistoric times. Yes. And we're seeing uh an an I an older it's an adult Peter Parker. I mean He's, he he always was an adult, yeah. Yeah. But I, I bring this up because later on we do get to see teenage Peter Parker. There's a True. lot going on here. Uh, imagine honestly just imagine the the plot thread of Batman universe if from last week's episode which if you've not listened to after you finish this please give that a listen too because that is an awesome episode but it's basically the plot line of Batman universe but put for Spider-Man and Wolverine there's this weird time travel device and we see them after going through this long adventure that we will get into during the story and Wolverine Wolverine is running uh this tribe that are called the what, small what were they called again the small folk the small yeah. folk and while Peter is carving a face of some random woman he's never actually met in his life it's not Gwen Stacy it's not Mary Jane She's kind of drawn a little bit like both, but it is not either of them. It is them. a random bank teller who had no idea about this. And in all honesty, that just really plays into the comedy of this book. I loved it. I loved it, especially this opening scene. And it also builds up, um, like you were saying, Spider-Man is primarily narrating this entire like thing at first. And then I think like throughout this couple issues, it like gets a little bit more like... I would say, like, what's the word? Like, it gets more fair. They both start narrating or whatever. Yeah. No, we, we get to see into the perspective of both Wolverine and Spider-Man throughout all six issues, mm -hmm. which is really nice to get into both their heads. Because if you're a fan of Spider-Man, if you're a fan of Wolverine, even if you're a fan of both, if this is an introduction and you want to learn about these characters even, it's a bizarre one to go for. But it is really fun to get into. Because we do get to learn about both these characters and see it through the eyes of these characters. Uh, the, a look into their backstories and a look into who they are as people and how that clashes just directly with how their personalities are. I got a question for you, Jay. Yes. Did you know... That they like, you know, how it, within the story they talk about how they really did not like each other. This wasn't something that Jason Aaron really pulled out of his ass. No, this is something that's like been a thing all the way back into the 80s. Really? Yeah. What their, started their the feud beef, between the two of them? Their beef started all the way back, at least in real people time. In Marvel time, I would say it probably was 10 years ago, but like in real people time, it was like back in 1987. In 1987, there was another miniseries that was also within continuity. Because if you didn't know, this book is within continuity, Jay. Um, mm. Wait, really? Yes, this book. So this this is actually okay. Wow. Yeah, this All book right. is in continuity. Uh, so basically, wait, 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 wait. So you mean to tell me? Hold on. So you mean to tell me that like the Templar Knights never finished the Crusade? The TVA fixed it. Okay, did they? Is that really what we're going to say? I'm just going to assume the TVA fixed, fixed it. They fixed also, it all. Guys, can I also just say, not to throw it in here, we go from this prehistoric time where an asteroid's coming to the planet 
to Templar Knights. We're going into future. We're going into the past. We're going everywhere. We're going everywhere, baby. Everywhere. I, honestly, I think it does it a better job in this than uh, Batman Universe as well. Hmm. In the idea of time travel, just because. Um, oh, go on. Well, I was gonna wrap up what I was uh, t- telling you about first. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was, I was just going off. Please, yeah. Yeah, uh, I was gonna add that, like you know, it went all the way back into the nineteen eighty seven. Like there was another miniseries. Like I said, both books are in continuity, and the other miniseries from nineteen eighty seven is the first and only time Spider Man murdered somebody. What? Yep. Okay, so in nineteen. 19- Okay, so in 1987, in Spider-Man versus Wolverine, there was a lot of big things that were happening within Spider-Man's continuity. Uh, Spider-Man and Peter Parker and Mary Jane kind of like consummated their relationship with a kiss at the airport. Uh, Ned Leeds is going to be marrying um, Betty Brant, or he's already married. Uh, anyways, this book was the book that framed Ned Leeds being the Hobgoblin. It also was the book that Ned Leeds got murdered. It was also the book where Spider-Man killed somebody, but they didn't like each other because throughout the entire book, Spider-Man was fucking up so much shit that Wolverine was trying to accomplish. And that coupled with the fact that the person that Spider-Man killed was a former lover of Wolverine's. Wow. And then their dislike was not just like ignored from that book. It was something that was picked up every now and then. For example, when they became Avengers, uh, I know in JMS's run, uh, when Peter became an Avenger and him, Aunt May and Mary Jane, this is back before Marvel said they hated Spider-Man being married, uh, when they were living <laughs> in the Avengers Tower, Wolverine said some disrespectful ass shit about Mary Jane and Spider-Man threw him through the window and the top floor of Avengers Tower. Holy shit. Yep. Yeah, I would hate him too. That's, wow. So, damn. this is the book that so- ended their beef. Wow, not only did it end their beef, by the end of the story, because they go through a wacky ride, Soups, we go all over the place, just because Mojo, who, for fans, or for those at home that don't know who Mojo is, just think of, like, Jabba the Hutt on, like, a robot spider. That's Mojo. I mean, he's got, like, a, a big old, like, mechanical brain. Yeah. Anyway, it's not just it, by the end of the story, because of all these shenanigans, they become blood brothers. Like they do a whole like symbiotic thing. Symbiotic. Which I not symbiotic. What is the uh symbolic. 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 <laughs> Thank you. We're talking about Spider Man. They have this whole that. symbolic ritual. Yeah, right. It it totally means something different for symbiotic here. Oh god! Speaking of rituals, worry about we, this book Venom. also has cultural appropriation. Wolverine is over there with the Native Americans and shit. Okay, yeah, I was wondering when we wanted to to talk about that. At one point, yeah, he he pops up in the old west. We're in the old west. Peter Parker's with Sarah, the bank, the teller. bank teller. Yeah. That he only likes because. I guess Mojo just put the the image into his brain. I guess I don't know. I don't know why. I I can't. I don't recall why. Um, and then they go and see Wolverine, where 
Spider-Man is a cowboy, but for some reason Wolverine is a Native American and he has his own Native American tribe, but I don't believe he has any Native American heritage at all. No, Wolverine's white. He's Canadian. He's completely Canadian, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the fuck. I mean, I'm assuming <laughs> they were probably trying to do something similar to the whole Japanese era where, uh, you know, he went to Japan. But, like, the story kind of... They didn't just, like, gloss over the whole cultural appropriation thing. Him being a samurai and, like, having a lot of care towards the Japanese culture, he was doing that as a sign of respect towards his uh, wife. So, like, I don't know. That made more sense. Whereas this, it was like, oh, Wolverine is someone who enjoys being one with the cultures that he's around. So, let's just throw that on there. It's it's not big. It's not, like, in your face about it. But it was just something that I saw. It's a little funny because I feel like nowadays that type of shit wouldn't fly. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, Yeah. It's, it's no, like, Johnny Depp is Tonto situation. Oh, God. I, you know, I wanted to forget <laughs> that, but thank you for reminding me about that. Honestly, speaking of just Wolverine doing shit, uh, you know, back to what you were saying about the whole small folk and everything, like, like you said, prehistoric times, they're there, we are learning a lot of different shit, we're just thrown into there, and then we see Wolverine, he has his own, his own people that are, like, ape-like and short like him, and what? And just, you know, we're just thrown into there and everything like that. And honestly, my first thought was Planet of the Apes, Jay. It really was. It does feel like a weird Marvel-made Planet of the Apes. Especially when we go forward in time and they take over yeah. the, the world or just New York or whatever. And they have a giant Iron Man T-Rex. No, that's uh, Devil that's Dinosaur. That's named, like, Devil Dinosaur. Yeah. That's that's actually not like an Iron Man thing. That's an actual character, like a character in the comics. Yes, it is. Like we've seen this. Per like actually, actually, Devil's, Devil Dinosaur this. is in a TV show currently. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. No way. Yeah. That is so wild. Of all the things. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I guess he didn't. So where did where did Devil Dinosaur start? Do you know? Just like as a fun little fact. Ooh, I'm pretty sure it was in the 1980s. Devil Dinosaur didn't move. Wow. Moon Girl came okay. out relatively recently, but like, or maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. Soups, please let us know. When did Devil Dinosaur make his first appearance? So it really did feel like freaking Planet of the Apes, especially that big splash page when they're running and everything and they're still covered with hair and everything. And it's like a post-apocalyptic world. And I think the favorite joke one of my top five jokes within this whole book would have to be the Spider-Man being a lame ass. And he literally has the word lame on his ass because he found a new costume in a museum that said the world's lamest heroes and his suit was there. Which is so wild because Spider-Man, especially now, is like the biggest cash cow for the MCU. Arguably, he was even he was even one then too, arguably, I'd say. To call him lame... I, like I, I I get it. It's it's so funny. It's so funny. But the audacity of New York City or wherever they are, you know, whatever it, to do that, I thought so bizarre. Another thing that I wanted to ask is, what do you think is weirder? Do you think it was weirder that Wolverine invented beer and Spider Man invented bacon cheeseburgers, <laughs> or do you think it was weirder? that uh dr doom became ego the living planet because and we see later on in the book he had 
flown by Eagle the Living Planet and, said, hmm. and thought to himself, hmm, that's a fucking idea. That was funny that's, as hell. I might have to get it on I this. liked the way that it was like drawn because <laughs> like it literally had him touching his chin and then I could just imagine Doom being like, hmm, oh, you know, hmm. Oh my god. Honestly, this book so it had funny. the most wildest and funniest ass moments, but it also had the most cool ass random like honestly, this book is this is the type of book I would want to write if I was a fucking Marvel. Like if, 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 if next morning I got a call saying, Hey Damon, you want to write a, just a mini series? This literally This is this it. is it. Honestly, I could even see this being turned into like an animated movie. Like this would be funny as fuck. It really would. And this would be wild. It'd be so fucking for, wild for to make into something outside of the comic. But I, I, something about the comic that I love about the panel work is that it does have that cinematic feel. Yeah, something I feel as though pacing. I've said often on the show. But yeah, it the way how the pacing works, especially because the word bubbles here and the thought bubbles that Spider-Man and Wolverine have, a lot of them can fill up a huge amount of the panel. Like sometimes characters get super, super wordy and the font very nice and legible. Obviously it has to be for a comic book. It does cover up a lot of the art. However, I would say that the artists on this comic did a really great job working around that panel work in ways that I haven't seen in other books that we've reviewed in the past. And I want to make sure that I highlight that, especially because the artwork throughout this entire story is so beautiful. And I hate when comics have fantastic stories and the art er, is covered up by these word bubbles. And there was a couple of times when I thought bubbles were really getting giant, but it fit in a way to kind of help with the pacing for me to fit and, and stick with the emotions that are coming from each page and where the story is going to take me next, which I appreciate from a comic. Figuring out ways to get me to turn the page and tell myself that I want to see what the outcome is. And, and two things that do that for me, it's writing and it's the art. And this story did a fantastic job, I would say, making sure that the two meshed very well. And it worked too for character points like with Mojo, where he just talks constantly to fill up the page and work for his character, you know? Mm. I 100% agree with you, which is funny that you mentioned the art in the panel layout because I actually have the, a physical copy of the book, and I'm assuming you read it digitally, Jay. Oh, yeah. So the part where uh, you have Doom the Living Planet, it actually, there's a pullout page, like, in the um, physical copy. So the image where Wolverine is in front of Ego or Doom, the living planet, it's a full three-page pullout wow. to really show you the, like, Dude. just the, how big it is. And... Uh, that's, a, that's a comic book nerd's pornography right there. Right there, center like That is, that's exactly what they want right there. Trifold centerfold dude 100 percent. yep you know i go crazy for doom someone just nutted to that fact someone's gonna buy the book now just for that 100 percent. 100 percent. um just go crazy for doom you know <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but you know jay i have a question for you what were your top five moments from this book 
top five. Yeah, or maybe top three. Okay. Um, yeah, I can. I think three could be a lot easier. For one, uh, has to be the 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 Mojo theme song that he has for the Spider Man and Wolf show. I really enjoyed that. I thought it was really fun, and I could figure out exactly what the rhythmic pattern is supposed to be for it by how the panel art and how the 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 word bubbles illustrate it. I thought it was really fun, really enjoyable, and something that translated very well from the page to me, the reader. I was going to try it. I was gonna... Hop in if you okay, can. Okay, go Hop for it. Okay. Web slinger and weapon and next, X on crazy adventures, adventures loaded, loaded with sex, sex and punching and beer and, and things that go boom. Robots and dinosaurs and planet sized doom. And it's not sexy enough. It's not sexy okay. enough. All right. It's not sexy enough. We gotta sex it up. Bring in some Marilyn Monroe. Some Mr. I was President. Just, I was just gonna say that. I was just gonna... <laughs> Love that. I loved getting to look into both Wolverine and Spider-Man's past through the perspectives of each other's character. With Wolverine coming out as uh, Luchador fighting teenage Spider-Man who does not care about anything. He has these powers, but not the responsibility. And that is because, and say it with me, everybody at home, Uncle Ben Uncle is ben dead ben yet. Ben. Yes, we need Uncle Ben to die for Spider-Man to not be a douchebag. Why did you to say it like that? Damn, that was kind of harsh. That was very harsh. Because people at home need to hear oh it. Oh my gosh. Spider-Man's nothing until Uncle Ben's dead. Uh you know something? It, it, it's funny that you mentioned that. Because um, another thing I wrote in my notes is that, like, at first, because this is my first time reading it since I was, like, a teenager, I didn't realize how irritating mm -hmm. Spider-Man actually was in this book. Now, Spider-Man's my favorite character, Soups, but I'll admit, he was very irritating. But at the same time, though, you know how sometimes you can tell when a person doesn't really care for a character or either they try to write a character out of character? Everything Spider-Man did within the book, it actually was in character. It was just the fact that we really showcased him being more of an asshole in the book, which is something that he always has been in, in, at times. And the fact that we were able to see teenage him and seeing how insufferable he could be to Wolverine and then even adult him. Because there's a couple of instances where Spider-Man came off as a prick, especially when Wolverine came back to life from that bucket of just guts and like bones. And he came back, and Wolverine's mad. And Spider-Man's like, well, I did you a favor. And Wolverine kind of, like, hints at the fact that he wanted to die. Yeah. And, like, Spider-Man doesn't really understand that. And is like, well, I did you a favor, and you're acting as if I'm the problem. Just a little entitled. Just damn. And, you know, I was wondering. I was sitting there thinking, like, what does Jason Aaron think of Spider-Man? It was primarily towards the middle where I was like, okay, no, he has a lot of appreciation for the character. But I'm just like, this is interesting. It was a fun ride, I would say. Especially just the small moments. Yes. Like, there's a moment where, oh, like, for sure. there's a moment where Spider-Man, uh, no, Wolverine punches Spider-Man and the panel work. And I'm giving it to freaking Adam Kubert. Spider-Man gets punched by Wolverine. And the panel, it's funny as fuck. He literally just falls like a bitch. Like, he, like he's, his arms are, like, frailed. And, Jay, do you know what panel I'm talking about? Is this is this around the beginning of the story? It's the no, it's actually it's during the Doom Living Planet when so soups at this point in the story, we're in the planet of the apes world and 
they're looking for different artifacts from the old world. So they're superhero artifacts and everything like that. And they ultimately find a fucking Phoenix gun. This is the only thing that can stop yeah. freaking doom yeah. the living planet. And Spider-Man is... That was going to be my uh, my my third oh of my top three. That was wild. Was say, the Phoenix, Phoenix gun? gun. Yes. And yeah, Spider-Man is like, okay, you know what? I theorized that if I were to shoot this, I would like disintegrate and die. But, you know, it's going to save everybody. So we're, we're going to do this. We're going to do it. I'm ready to do it. I never shot a gun before, but let's do it. Wolverine knocks him the fuck out. And when he knocks him out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there's a panel where just Spider-Man falls. And it's just fucking hilarious. I remember that. I, okay. Yes, I do. Here, I pulled it up on the side so I can remember. With his arms. Yeah. Just flailing. Oh, my goodness. You can you can picture it in your head the kind of fall that he has. I think that's hilarious. It's no the Phoenix crazy. gun. We have to talk about this Phoenix well, gun. Can we talk about too, Beast because... looking at it and being like, "Hmm, I'm having the strange urge to put the Phoenix in a bullet." <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's you know that's I the type so of shit he would do. I, I should make something called the Phoenix gun. I, well, uh, clearly he did. I, I guess so. Because it's here. It exists. Now, the Phoenix gun. The Phoenix gun. Yeah, as Damon said, has the Phoenix Force, Jean Grey's Phoenix Force, you know, in a bullet, and he goes to use the Phoenix gun, but I just don't understand why this thing exists to begin with, other than the fact that it is meant for this moment in time. And I guess that's the whole point, is a lot uh, of things at the end of the story show that these are moments that are going to foreshadow possibly other events or things that are only meant to happen in this contained story, you know? Because I'm guessing Doctor Doom does not, in the entirety of full canon, become a big old planet like Ego. Oh, he does. Right? No kidding, so it happens again? No, I'm fucking with you. It never happens. <laughs> no, it never happens. The only thing that, like, actually has, like, a little bit of weight uh, after this, like happens is uh wolverine's brother dog because actually they never even say his name his name's dog uh no they, they said it he said it one time okay he was like it's me your brother dog and i want to ask about that why why is there a phoenix gun and why is there a guy named dog well true believer dog is was a character from the x-men or well not from the wolverine origins book and at the end of that book his brother was like hell bent on murdering him so that took place like right after the origins book and uh yeah there's a lot of extra shit to it but that's and that's why it's it's in that watercolor yes because it's like kind of illustration like similar to the art style that was in the book and everything but it's interesting because like a lot of people okay so in the wolverine origins book you know how like the movies just basically just said Sabretooth is just Wolverine's brother in the comics? Sabretooth is not Wolverine's brother. However, Dog, in the way that he's hinted at in Origins, it literally feels like that they were going to try and say that Sabretooth was Wolverine's brother, but they decided not to. I feel like that's the one thing I feel like the movies got like... Sh I'll give the movies credit for that. I think it made a lot of sense because in the comics, they, they had a huge rivalry and we never really knew the full answer as to why. I, I, you know, I wholeheartedly disagree because when we get into the first X-Men story, we see the rivalry and, and 
it, it seems to really begin in that story in particular for them to then say that they're brothers and have had this feud in like the like the X-Men Origins movie uh, and then to become like cool dude bros at the end after killing uh, mouthless Deadpool. I don't know. I feel like the X-Men story, like movies were like a little finicky. I'm not a huge fan of Sabretooth the way how they use him in the story personally. I don't know very much about his character, but I will say that I found Dog a lot more interesting than what it seemed like Sabretooth did personally. Okay, okay. There's my little hot take. Because I got a few of them. I got a few of them today. Oh, yeah. You had the um, biggest hot take of all. The one that we talked um, about before we even recorded this episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, well, we'll get I'm there, sure, I guess. Yeah, very we will get yeah. there, I guess. Uh, but I, I, I will say, yeah, this is definitely a Wolverine story in the end of the day as well. Yeah. I mean, it's a story about the two of them. But I feel as though the character that progresses the most... Well, I guess they both do in their own ways. I feel like Spider-Man does so in a way that kind of hurts him more than allows him to grow. And maybe he'll grow through that pain. Because uh, at one point, Soups, during this fight with characters that we haven't really mentioned, like Czar, which is wild. And I guess we should get it out of the way right Czar now. Czar big murder. That... Yes, Czar and Big Murder, which are characters I thought were really fun, but were, I would say, were a bit insensitive in certain areas just due to how stereotypical the characters kind yeah, of became at certain points. Yeah, like, it, it was really weird, because, um, like, I was reading it, and I was like, because mm, there's certain instances where it was actually pretty cool and funny, and there's instances where it's yeah. like, well, this is, like, edging the stereotypical and like basically big um big murder and czar they're both black and big murder and czar they were drug dealers just random like people within the gang life and everything who stumbled across these diamonds and they then have just been gallivanting through time and just murdering whoever it is they choose to murder on top of that, they've just been stealing money. And then they also have a harem of women through time in their apartment that's outside of time. And it was weird. It was weird. I will say the dialogue for them is funny. And the dialogue for them is good. And I liked the build up because at first before they were revealed, it was them talking about like how who they've murdered today and what they're working on and what they're doing. I don't know. I felt like they were there because, like, oh, this is going to be, like, just made for laughs. Just There's a lot of different things to look into when it comes to them. But looking at them as a villain and what they brought to this story, I feel like if we, this movie, not this movie, <laughs> if this book <laughs> was just Mojo and maybe the orb as the villain or or even having the orb be the person that did the heavy lifting for Mojo, I feel like it would have been better. I don't think we really needed Czar and Big Murder. It did feel like there was a very large cast, which is why, again, I, I reference Batman Universe. Again, go check out that episode if you haven't. It's an awesome one. But just like in Batman Universe, we get to tag along with these other different characters hopping through this story with the DC Universe. And I feel as though we had a similar case with Marvel, not in the sakes of having a huge band of characters which we do ultimately i would say that we do we get to meet a whole bunch of different characters in the story i disagree not to the same extent of dc uh 
though I will say that each of these characters have a moment to really stand out and add just a different form of bizarreness. Something I feel as though James Gunn would love to show on screen. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? But tell me what you disagree with. You don't feel like there's a lot of characters here? Because we meet I don't, I don't Spider-Man, Wolverine, we go... No? Well, I, I don't know. I Why is that? I... What, like, okay, I feel like Batman Universe did a good job at... If I were to give that book at somebody, they would know some very obscure information about the DC Universe. If I were to mm. give somebody this book, I feel like they would know a little bit about Wolverine and... um. Spider-Man, but they would be like, what the fuck is going on in this book? And, you know, for example, we don't really know who Mojo is if you just read it just off the cuff. And for those at home who don't know who Mojo is, Mojo is an X-Men villain who is an intergalactic type of person who lives in a society that is primarily based off of media, and they're obsessed with media and television and commercials and money. It's kind of like a commentary of, like, America. The villain that you will never see in the MCU because it is just Disney. Who? Oof. 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 Daenerys. Daenerys, can you do me a favor? Can you give me a good old uh, drum riff, please? Thank you. Yeah. Good job, Neri. Um, wow. She is getting real tonight, guys. Okay. But you're absolutely right. It's true. You're absolutely right. It's true. And you know what? I'm I'm filled with a bunch of hot takes, and I've barely even got a chance to mention Howard the Duck. Who is mentioned by name in this book. He is definitely mentioned by name. Howard the Duck, staying alive on the 100%. channel, baby. Number one. But you know what? Honestly, the only other m m things I want to mention in regards to my thoughts on the book, I loved the comedy, and I just loved the art. There were so much details that were there and things I didn't notice on my first read back when I was younger. For example... The writing, it does a really good job at subtly poking fun and breaking the fourth wall. For example, in the story, they threw shade at One More Day, which at the time of that book coming out was like about two, three years ago. They threw some yeah, heavy shade. It was, it was so yeah. outright. I, I loved the, uh, these kind of points, though, in the story. I loved that this thing was so wacky. It Again, like I said about James Gunn, it felt like a like that bizarre kind of like guardians or even like a Thor Ragnarok esque kind of experience for those who are probably wanting to sink their teeth into something with that kind of feel, you know, different, different tones, but that kind of energy, this totally has that, you know, it's exciting and it's funny and it's self-referential in ways that is not just in your face, like a, like a Deadpool reference or a, or a She-Hulk thing can be, um, it it does it in really sharp writing, yeah. which Jason Aaron does a fantastic job throughout. I agree 100%. So what would you say with your final thoughts on it? I thought that this was fantastic. I cannot believe that we saw Wolverine die by using the Phoenix Force. Oh, you know what? I, we haven't even really spoken about that. A, a huge thing in the story is after using the Phoenix gun, Wolverine, he, he has the Phoenix Force. And we get to see him, 
I don't know. He, like, he, he when he uses this power, that's what gets us into this whole different thing of time. And it left me with so many different questions as to what's going to happen next. And that's something that a comic book should do, right? Because if I'm going to go spend money on it, it, it must be because I, I'm wanting to be captivated in a story that's going to interest me to go through these pages. And Wolverine, or I'm sorry, Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine, I would say did a really great job for that to make me want to see what would happen with Wolverine specifically as a character after this. What about you, Dave? Honestly, I agree with you on that. I think this book did a really good job at keeping my interest, keeping me invested, and also it made me want to reread it. And I love comics, but there's some comics where I read one time and I'm like, okay, I'm going to probably reread this maybe like a good 10, 5 years later, right? But this one, I feel like I wouldn't mind rereading this again within the same year, within the same month or even, because it just was really good and it was fun and very funny. And it gives me the, the vibes that if I were to read this again, there may be something else that I'll find funny that I didn't see previously. And I think the art was a good indication of that. And the fact that this is a book that happened within continuity, it still is astounding to me. Astonishing, even. <laughs> but, you know, it really... It's really captivating. I like the book a lot, and I love the comedy in it. And I would say the pacing is really, really good. It goes at, since we were comparing it to Batman Universe, the pacing compared to Batman Universe, I would say it's like a good middle ground. Whereas, like, I remember we were talking about in Batman Universe. We were talking about how the pacing in that book was like, like, breakneck speed. Like, it was going on boom, boom, Bad boom. dash. It still worked, because I was surprised at how well it worked. This one, it was still a quick read. However, it felt like, oh, we're going to like take some time to chomp on some stuff, you know? And I think that helped it, um, helped it in a lot of different areas. Yes, totally. And honestly, I have a lot of different questions. I honestly have a lot of questions post this. Now, I do know that, like I said, the only thing that's really referenced after this is that Dog is in the main, like, main time. He's in present day. That does get referenced again when, when um, within within Jason Aaron's Wolverine run. Everything else, though, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they drop a lot of the extra stuff. Which is a shame, because there is some really fun concepts here, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, guys, totally. Check this book out, if you can. Yeah, or if you guys want a deeper discussion about it, um, I would say check out that uh, comic book video I was telling you guys about earlier. Uh, they did a back issues episode on astonishing Wolverine and Spider-Man. So check them out. But the real question is, for those of you who have read it or are interested in reading it, what do you guys think of this? Like, what are you, what's your thoughts? Um, do you think this will hold up or did it hold up? You know, be sure to give us your answers by reviewing the show or messaging us on Instagram at Super Saturdays Podcast, TikTok at Super Saturdays Pod, and Twitter at Super Saturdays PC. Your messages and reviews can make their way on the show. This was Super Saturdays. I'm Damon. And I'm Jay Hayward. Make sure you also follow Damon and I at our Instagrams at Damon underscore 1003 uh, and at Jay the Movie Gal. <laughs> See you next Saturday, Soups. Hey, Soups. Do you enjoy the music here on the podcast? Then why don't you check out our buddy Jake Voigt at jakevoigtmusic.com. Thank you.